Griffin, I assume that you, like most people, are not intimately familiar with the goings-on of professional League of Legends teams, but the situation with Team Solo Mid in the North American League Champion Series is just getting to be too much for me to ignore at this point. During the offseason, TSM, which is probably the most storied team in North American professional play, made the move to bring in two unproven, highly skilled rookies from China, Shen Yi and Kaiduo. With Chinese speakers in every role, the assumption was this team's going to be able to communicate, they're going to be able to play together, it's going to be awesome. Instead, Shen Yi was benched after an 0-4 start to the season, and now with TSM sitting at a disastrous 1-8 on the season, their worst start in nearly 10 years of pro play, the team plans to bench Kaiduo, their other Chinese import, and bring Shen Yi back to the main roster. The whole thing is just a, a total failure of roster management. And I mean, I can't think of an example of anything that we've seen like this in, in conventional sports, but I, you can certainly see it happening where a promising rookie gets moved around and the team tries to hunt for wins and it ends up completely backfiring on them. TSM is basically like the Yankees of North American League, and they have the resources and the cachet and the experience to be competitive at the highest level on a yearly basis. But instead, Andy Reginald Din, their owner, who has been uh, the target of some controversy in his own right, has not only tanked his own reputation, but his organizations as well. Like, if you're coming into a season with a master plan, at least give it some time to sort of percolate and pan out or fail on its own merit. But TSM's moves haven't helped their players, and they haven't helped their win totals either. But speaking of winning rosters, it's time for a roster of two to bring you another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. I like that you said that you could no longer ignore the situation with TSM. You know it's bad when you've been forced into a, a public <laughs> public podcast commitment. I know we don't like to talk about a the rants public, in the a episode. A public discussion of esports, Griffin, is not ever. <laughs> it's bad. To you know people. it's bad when, yeah. <laughs> but I had to speak up. And we will we will come back to this, I think, because they are just truly in the dumps right now. I mean, TSM. Yes, please keep, keep us posted. For, but yes, welcome everyone to High Floor, Low Ceiling for another week, another wonderful week. Uh, Griffin, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well, Chris. Uh, no spring training going on right now, but sure, that's okay. Yes. You know, uh, we we were planning this podcast and I mentioned that I wanted to talk about how I don't want to talk about this because it is so infuriating to me what these owners and Rob Manfred to an extent, but he is an employee of the owners mm-hmm. are doing to these players and to us fans in general, when it comes to baseball, it's just, um, I forget which player tweeted this out, but they put it very well when they said, uh, I just wished that the people who ran the game cared about it as much as the players and the fans do. Like it's, it's frustrating and aggravating. And I want to, like yell it <laughs> yell at all the owners <laughs> it's not even all the owners like you don't think the blue jays owner wants to play baseball right now you don't think the, Yankee, the yankees want to play baseball right now of course they do it's just like the rockies and the marlins owners and these like small market teams that know. are holding everyone else over the bubble um i don't know <laughs> i feel but, i feel like all of the owners are interested in making as much money as they possibly can of course uh, of course but i think that 
like just the things that they're fighting about are still these small market priorities of trying not to spend any money. And these owners of like the Baltimore Orioles who just don't care if they build a winning team or like they're probably saving money right now by not having to pay their players. Honestly, I mean, you wouldn't. I I mean, it wouldn't go that far. I don't think there's ever it's ever like a losing value proposition to own a major league franchise, which is uh, exactly why they all of their arguments are exactly. BS, and they treat exactly. the owner or they treat the fans and the players like we're dumb idiots. Yeah. And did you see talk uh, down? Did you see that clip of Stephen A. Smith talking to Mad Dog Russo and coming out in defense of the players? No, and no. It it just did Stephen it A. Really... makes some good points. Stephen A. did make some salient points. So basically, the idea that like the MLB was sort of inten- or sorry, MLB Major yes. League Baseball was intentionally sort of dragging their feet on this. And then I think his most salient point was like, you know, you come you come to the table with a an offer that you know is not going to be accepted, and then when it isn't accepted, you can say, "Oh, we tried. You know, we want this to happen." And that's sort of gets to what you're saying about sort of treating the fans like they can't look in what's happening and understand what's going on but then uh russo the guy he was talking to was like oh you know me i i've always been pro owner since 1981 and i'm like who identifies as <laughs> what a weird like brag yeah like how much of like a corporate bootlicker do you have to be <laughs> to be like you know i really like the owners and i'm gonna stick by them <laughs> as i have for the last 40 years do you think he like follow like the way we track like trades and stuff he's like oh oh big big minority owner coming on huge Uh, revenue stream coming in for the twins (laughs) (laughs) uh no but it it is like and also just before we close the book like yeah the owners intentionally ran out the clock on this and also this self-imposed deadline to cancel games that's also dumb if they struck a deal today they could easily make opening day but the players the owners make most of their money off of like September and October, like playoffs and playoff chases. That's where the TV ratings come from. That's where the best uh, gates come from. But the players, they get paid equally. So missing these April games hurts the players 10 times more than it does the owners. And the owners know exactly that. And that's why they're doing this. And that's why they refuse to negotiate for like two straight months. And it's just, oh, I I mean, I know we said we wouldn't talk about it. If if you want to listen, uh, Joe Posnanski, the Pawscast, they he's had a couple of really good episodes about the uh, he, the, like just the balls on Rob Manfred, and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna talk baseball, baby. Oh yeah. Anyway, God, it pisses me <laughs> off. As we said, not talking about it, just <laughs> devoting a a mini segment to the start. Uh, if, if you if I catch anyone. Saying that they're pro owner, I'm coming for you. <laughs> no proners here. Uh, speaking of baseball, what what an f last week with Club McConnell. Yes. Uh, did you did you listen to that one back? I'm curious as to how it turned out because I did not listen to it. You, and... you didn't listen to our own episode. <laughs> do you listen to Do you listen to us every week? I'm I listen. Now. I've listened to every single episode. I if it's my week to edit, I've right. usually by the time I actually listen to it. I, it's, I'm, I'm listening it, to it for like the fourth time, but I <laughs> wow. love it. I, I laugh every time. And also I just like, I want to make sure that like it uploaded correctly. Sure. Um, yeah. But no, I, I've listened to every episode. You don't listen 
to every episode? Wow. That's a way to get our numbers up. You've got to listen always, to all the episodes you've it's missed. It's always nice to meet a fan, for starters. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, I, I I download. I download every week. I don't always look. And sometimes, you know, I'll listen to half or whatever. You know, you know like, so, oh, sometimes you're, we have, you're missing out on some great content. Sometimes we have okay episodes, like this one right now. And then other times we have great episodes, like Clev last week, uh, when we just truly went off the rails and took two and a half hours to record a one-hour podcast yeah a lot uh a big thanks to clem though we always love having mm-hmm. him on no doubt he's the first ever three-time guest in the history of high floor low ceiling i have ever thought that if anything ever were to happen to you chris i would bring on Cle- clem as your replacement <laughs> um not you i'm not saying i want I'm, i want to but i was just like i was oh, i was listening to it. this last episode and i was like you know, clem would be a good like guest host like if, or if like i was sick one week if if uh, for some reason either of us couldn't make the podcast one week i was like who would our guest host be like mitch would be a good one he's been a great guest a couple times sure he's uh, above our pay grade though yeah true he, we can't we can't <laughs> afford him for two segments <laughs> and a rant um but no i we think clem, we don't have, we don't clem have would be mitch great. rant money uh and that's the episode title (laughs) an episode Uh, that he's not in he still gets the title. exactly uh griffin we wanted to take a look in at a team that is currently playing a sport uh at a team that we have talked about but not for several months and just keep your hand off that pop filter why don't you Uh, i'm a fidgeter by heart i've got a fidget cube around here somewhere here i'm gonna use that instead well hold on to that but don't use the light switch one that might be too loud um you know the the layout of my fidget cube (laughs) (laughs) i just i've always thought that if i had one that i would use the light switch a lot uh that's perfect just right into the mic let's get that there you go but the toronto maple leafs griffin this is a team that i don't think we've when was the last time we talked about hockey like two years ago yeah it's been a while i think it was definitely 2021 i think it was too but the now that you know the season is, we're we're on the road to the playoffs for both uh, basketball and hockey. It, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I got I all right. I got to find something told else. You not to do that. Uh, keep working on that. But yes, we're we're coming to the home stretch on both football or uh, ba- nope. There's two more options, and yep. I have missed <laughs> twice so far. Hockey There's and a big basketball. strike three swing. Nice are both headed towards the playoffs, so lots of interesting stuff to look at here. But the Maple Leafs, I think the last time we talked about them, we were sort of prognosticating about the season. One of the things that we talked about has sort of become an even bigger talking point in the last little bit, which is their goaltending. You know, we talked about Jack Campbell having his amazing season, and now that sort of seems Uh to have dried up, and they have sort of had to turn to Peter Mrazek as the as the goaltender here as almost like he's I think he started several games straight for them now yeah I believe that this was the first time in his Leafs career that he started multiple games in a row Peter Mrazek and uh, even still results have not been the most encouraging so is that is that where you want to start Chris when we're talking this team net crease out yeah because I think that you know uh, we talked about John Tavares sort of having a, a less than stellar time right now, but I think that you know we can start there. But I because I do feel that when you have such a star-studded lineup, especially like having arguably like four offensive stars, and then of course Michael Bunting, he's been like the big story for the Leafs this year in terms of their offensive output. So that you you can sort of afford to 
to have an off night or an off stretch for one of your stars when you have that many weapons, right? Yeah, I mean, the offense has never been the problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs, barring four games against the uh, Montreal Canadiens last year. But, um, yeah, it, it comes and it goes like anything does, but I'm not worried about John Tavares. Like, I think he has a tendency in with these other three stars that we talk about in Toronto. People, like, forget about how amazing it is that John Tavares is even on this team like he's so good and sure he's having a bit of a slump but he's still looking good he's still doing the right things and hockey is a sport where just like for lack of better analysis sometimes it just the pucks aren't there like the puck luck isn't there so as soon as he uh he had two assists I think in the game against Washington the other day so I I'm not super worried about John Tavares uh sometimes <laughs> they don't get goals for a few games he'll be fine yeah. he's John Tavares yeah and the, the lineup in general, I think in terms of sort of their results in general. Their what? That, that, their, their results. Why? Did I say something weird? I think you said results. <laughs> we'll have to listen to that back. I don't believe yeah, that's you true. You won't back. listen to it back, apparently. <laughs> uh, but their results, losers of four in their last seven. They had the really bad loss to Buffalo, which was sort of their, the, the capstone loss. Or the, you know, it's, I think this is a classic, like, send toronto fans into a frenzy kind of loss mm. uh, and then you know losing to montreal as well and then the overtime loss and then they had the game where they gave up seven goals to detroit even yeah. though that was a win like do you does it feel to you because you know even though they're not in the best of straights right now i mean they are still third in the atlantic division they're still two points behind tampa do you feel like there is cause for alarm or do you feel like this is just another case of like Toronto sort of doomsaying I mean like yeah I think for aside from the goalies I'm really not concerned about this team this is a really really good hockey team like this is maybe the best version of the Leafs that we've seen in this sort of Tavares era which I feel like we've said every year every year in the regular season they do look better than they did the year before but it won't matter for the Leafs until the playoffs none of this actually matters uh, which is sort of the uh, frustrating thing is that they're so good, but no one will care and no one should care, honestly. But it is a good sign, I think. And even despite the fact that, as I'm sure we're about to get into, their goaltending has been horrendous lately. They're still winning, like, a good chunk of games. They yeah. still have a very good chance of catching the Lightning, if not the Panthers. Like, they're still within striking distance in this uh, Atlantic division. So I'm I'm not concerned about the Toronto Maple Leafs by and large. I'm excited. I I like watching them. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the playoffs. But I think that no, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> and is that is that they're fine, or is that sort of you are a little concerned, or but you're having to talk yourself into as you pull on your Toronto Maple Leafs toque? I believe with the tags still on, uh, just so that you can return it later. I imagine. Yeah, in case they lose this series. <laughs> is this is this like a, I'm a little concerned, but I'm telling myself that it's fine, and it probably will be? Or is this truly like, there's no fear here? I mean, I feel like there's no no fear scenario for a Leafs fan, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, because of the NHL's playoff system, they're going to have to play a very tough first-round opponent. So that's where the fear will start to kick in. But, like, I'm really not concerned about anything that I see in the regular season. Like, it doesn't move me too much either direction. The good games don't make me super confident, and the bad games don't make me super nervous. But, like, 
for the most part, the Leafs have been very, very good this year, and I'm encouraged and optimistic. We'll put it that way. I really do believe that they are a good hockey team. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it is hard to find a a matchup that would not be super tough for them. Like, right now, they're projected to play the Panthers, which you would imagine is a, you know, I think I think that's like a pretty even matchup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, the Panthers and the Lightning, like those three teams, Leafs, Panthers, Lightning, I think are all very capable of playing really good series against each other. Yeah, and I think I think with the Lightning, it's very similar to the Leafs, where even if they're not at, in their best form on a game-to-game basis, that once you know you get into the playoffs and you're seeing the top players, like the the talent level, I think starts to make more of a difference once you get into those games, and depth becomes less of a concern. And you know, as again, as long as you have the goaltending playing at a high level, which I guess is the the number 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 one question mark right now, because you look at Jack Campbell's last three games. You know, one win against Detroit and two losses, but five, four, and five goals allowed. And he is really just... Did he get credit for the win against Detroit? That's funny. He did get the win? Um, Yeah, I mean, ever since basically, like, Christmas, Jack Campbell has really been struggling. And I'm not the first person to say this, and there are several, many, many Leafs reporters who actually get to talk to Jack Campbell, who know Jack Campbell, who will tell you this much better than I have, but... I mean, in a way, this is in a way a thing with all goalies, but Jack Campbell seems to have a big, big confidence issue. And earlier this year, when he was playing like a Vesna Trophy winner, it was amazing, and he was the best player on the Leafs, and everyone thought the goaltending issues were totally solved, and now he's faltered a bit, and it's just begun to spiral. So if you're Sheldon Keefe, I think you're trying to pick and choose soft, soft matchups for him, but it's like you you don't know. He's not going to, until he posts a nice little 34 save, one goal against performance, like then you got to hope that that's a step in the right direction. But for now, I think the goaltending is a major, major question mark, both of them for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like they're, Peter Morazic is someone who could be a solid backup or like a solid 1B option, but with someone as unreliable as Jack Campbell has turned out to be, uh, I do think that the Leafs need... I would love to see the Leafs get a like good goalie at the trade deadline, a starting goalie, and I think that right now is their number one area of need, in my mind. Yeah, it's just... It's interesting because this always seems to be the thing, right? Like I'm looking right now at our outline from... It was November 18th, the last time we checked in on the Leafs and at that time it was sort of that we were seeing the best case scenario from Jack Campbell and the worst case scenario from Peter Morazic he'd been really bad to start the year dealing with injuries things like that and now it's sort of started to converge towards the middle but maybe trending more towards the negative than to the positive things regress to the mean that's what I always say we have always said this it's true um so so you do feel like that is the if if they if the only move they made at the deadline was for a goaltender, what, do you think that would be satisfactory to you? I mean, they are still like we say, like they're still a good team. It, it's kind of yeah. I mean, there's a there's a hole on defense that could probably use addressing. Like some people want them to go out and get a top six forward as well. Um, but I think if if their only move at the deadline was to get a really like a good goalie, I would be happy with that, and I would feel confident about this team. Whether it's Anaheim's John Gibson if the Ducks continue to sort of falter on the edge of that uh, playoff picture or maybe uh, the 
backup for the Rangers, whose name I can never pronounce, Georgiev or something like that. Um, I will take your word for it. That would maybe be one. So, yeah, like a good – there are good goalies out there. I know that goalies are always in demand at the trade deadline. But that – yeah, to to answer your question in a very long roundabout way, yes. If the (laughs) Leafs – if the only move was to get a good goalie that I had faith in and I knew I could rely on a proven NHL goaltender, yes, I I would be happy. I would consider that a successful trade deadline. Um, And just speaking of, you know, sort of seeing seeing success and how you're sort of feeling about the season as a whole – would you say that so far this year, the Leafs, because, you know, they, they've had stretches where they look unsolvable. They've had stretches where they seem quite shaky. And obviously, because of the market they're in, because of the fan base that they have, there is a tendency to overreact towards either one of those things. And I think we've even had rants about it before and things like that. Like, people maybe just need to step back and take a chill pill. Um, but overall, for the season, like, this... I'd say this is about as a positive of a season as you could ask for, right? They are getting contributions from depth players and things like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, Michael Bunting's been a revelation. Morgan Riley has bounced back from a bit of a shaky year last year to be the player we all knew he could be. Uh, yeah, I've the Leafs, yeah, like you said, this is as about as well as you could have hoped for it to go, aside from the goaltending. Right. It's like the Blue Jays with the bullpen. So have... For you, have they reached, like, are we just not going to talk about the Leafs anymore now that we're we're 54 games in, so 28 games to go, and then a first-round playoff series? Are we just not going, are, we, are they in Utah Jazz mode? We've brought this up a few times with the Utah Jazz being the poster children for this, where it's great, whatever you're doing, it's great, and we'll see you in the playoffs, and maybe once you win a playoff series, then we can start to talk about you as a legitimately good team. Are they in that camp for you at this point? Yeah, I mean, maybe you you and I, maybe we'll talk about them at the trade deadline, uh, see what they do there. But yeah, for the most part, nothing nothing matters until the playoffs start that this team does. Like, we have seen it all before. We have seen them be a top five team in the NHL, elite offense, solid defense. Like, they've shown it to us all all of the signs that this year was the year for the last few years, none of it matters, not even until the first round starts, until the buzzer goes on their fourth win in the first round. (laughs) That's when it starts to matter. Because, and I suppose if the buzzer goes on their fourth loss of the first round, that's when it starts to matter (laughs) as well. But until the end of that first round, I'd say, and for all intents and purposes, the start of the playoffs, none of this matters. None of how they play matters the only thing people will remember about this season, they could win every game the rest of the year, 11 to one. And the only thing people will remember is if they won that first round playoff series. Right. So the last time that they won a playoff series is currently 2004. That's correct. 2004. Very good. You're, you're I remember it memory. well. You have a strong memory of these things. I believe and then you in were the not second round, yet. what happened in the second round? <laughs> That was a good one. You're trying to turn the age jokes around on me, I see. Uh, In the second round, they played the Philadelphia Flyers, and Little Griffin, who was seven at the time, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, put up, made a, uh, like, one of those homemade signs. I was going to say put up, like, two goals and an assist. Yeah, no, I was close. (laughs) Uh, Put up a sign that said, save our Leafs, 
no flyers, please, because you know how like people will put up signs in their mailboxes that say, save our trees, no flyers, please. Save mm-hmm. our leaves, no flyers, please. And I was That's very proud good. of that. It's to this day might be the best joke I've ever made. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of surprise me that you came up with that. I'm wondering if maybe your parents were... No, no. It was all me. Just, I, just based on the jokes I've seen from Scouts you. Scouts on her. Uh, you don't think I'm a wordplay guy? <laughs> I don't know how much of a wordsmith you are. Um, so, yes. As <laughs> this you is said, <laughs> maybe, maybe you would pick up on more of my wordplay if you listened back to the podcast. Maybe I would pick up on it more if you didn't hit your pop filter with your hand all the time. Okay, I had to scratch my face. Jesus. <laughs> Okay, uh, but just as a preview, Griffin, for our next segment, which is going to be a lot of fun, I think. A, a, um, but tantalizing, gonna, titillating tease. Goodness gracious. I'm going to give you a little scenario. This is this is an offer I'm going to provide you. Some might call me a sort of devil in this scenario, not to spoil the next segment. I would. Uh, but, <laughs> well, you call me that in every scenario. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Maple Leafs will win a first-round playoff series, let's say it's against the Florida Panthers, and from then on, like, so they, they receive some kind of magic charm that makes it impossible for them to lose uh, in the first round, and so they win their first-round series, and after that point, the charm is removed, and they progress through the playoffs however they normally would, but, you know, they kind of, they have that monkey off their back, and the players don't know about this charm, so, you know. That was that was going to be one of my follow-up questions. In their, in their minds, it's like, we did it, we won, let's say they win in six games, like, it's not a nail-biter, they, they come through it comfortably, they feel good, and everything just goes from there. But the downside is that the salary cap remains flat for the next three years so it obviously that that's the other big talking one with the blue or not the bleeders with the maple leafs the blue leafs the blue leafs is their big salaries their cap situation how difficult it is for them to find depth pieces because they have all these guys who are being paid so highly so they get that playoff series boost they maybe have a chance to keep going throughout the playoffs but they're going to continue to be quite hamstrung financially. Are you going to take that that value proposition, Griffin? Uh, I mean, listen, the, the salary cap is a concern for the Leafs, of course, and you've got Austin Matthews, I believe. Chris, we set up this question so that the salary cap would stay flat one year past the expiry of Austin Matthews' current contract, so you would have to deal with re-signing him. But that being said, I am going to take this deal because I truly, truly believe that like this team the sky is the limit for them <laughs> if if they can get through this own mental block it's like whatever the opposite of a dam like a dam breaking in a good way like water has just right. been building and building of this team having an elite core of superstar forwards and a solid defenseman group in Morgan Riley and TJ Brody and Jake Muzzin and it's just been building and building for years and there's just this thin dam holding all of this potential back that is this first round playoff series thing it's in all of their heads and as soon as they win this yes uh uh, they uh, whatever you said I was talking um (laughs) some sort of ceiling (laughs) but yes uh, (laughs) if and if they can just break through this mental block that they have of not being able to win this first round playoff series, then everything is going to fall into place for them. Like I, it makes such perfect sense in my head that this young team, these guys, these superstars who have never won a playoff series 
And like the first time they lost to the Capitals, it was like, okay, we're young. But now it's like, it's on them. Like they know that they can't do it and they freak themselves up whenever they get close to winning one, if they could win one. And like you said, they don't know that they've had this charm. (laughs) That's a Uh, very important part. It's like Michael's secret stuff. Exactly. Exactly. It's the opposite of Michael's secret stuff. (laughs) Yeah, they, yeah. They it, it, it is it is magic, <laughs> but they don't know it. Um, it's Wayne's public stuff, <laughs> and that's the title of the episode. But uh, yes, I think that if they can win that first round series, then the sky's the limit. They might go to the Stanley Cup, and then I think you you deal with the cap when you can, yes. because like I think that that'll be worth it. Yeah, I think I think with any any scenario you're throwing out, at least for me, maybe you feel differently about this. That if you're trading, like if you're trading a championship for X, whether you know, let's say they let's say they win the championship this year, and then they're terrible for the next ten years, like that's yeah, worth it, was it worth right? It. Yeah, especially the, the, the championship least. is the goal. It's like the Rams trading all of those first round picks to win the Super Bowl this year. It's like even if all of those first round picks go on to become like multiple time pro bowlers, it's worth it. They won the Super Bowl. Like that's that's right. what you're trying to do. The Raptors trading a franchise legend in DeMar DeRozan and a great future franchise legend in Jakob Pertl. Can't mm-hmm. say the word legend. I missed it up both of both times in that sentence. <laughs> um, no one's listening. No it's way. worth it because they won the championship. Like the, yes, I completely agree with you on that. A championship justifies anything you did, like disregarding like illegal activity. <laughs> I could cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything that any sacrifice that you had to make to right. win a championship is justified because you won that championship. Right, exactly. And did you see Jakob Pertl just get absolutely demolished by John Brady the other day? Oh, poor Jakob. Such a sweet great. boy. A sweet Utah Ute. Sure, great player. Um, But yeah, so we will we will maybe look in on them at the trade deadline. Maybe we'll talk about them when we do an NHL playoff preview. You're swiveling your head from side to side, making shocked faces at me. But other than that, other than those little peaks that we're taking... I think that the Maple Leafs are just are off the menu and we will just wait and see with our arms folded like Simon Cowell and Paula Abdul. <laughs> until Was we... she also strict on American Idol? Uh, you know, I think I, that's OK. This is interesting. I think Paula Paula has the reputation that she was always drunk. That was sort of the, the joke that was often made about her. You don't remember? OK. You're so no, I, I don't remember this, actually. Funny this enough. was like the sort of the go-to joke that like Paula's always like acts like she's drunk and it's like oh what's in that coke cup that she's always drinking out of and all this stuff but I feel like she was actually <laughs> what, a, what an accusation <laughs> I feel like Randy was maybe the one who was like more of like a yes man sort of went with the flow obviously Simon he's he loves to be rude he loves to be mean he loves to be built hard a on whole them. brand out of it yeah precisely but I think Paula was actually pretty fair so I guess in this situation. Who's Simon and who's Paula? Who do you? Which one of us do you feel like is more fair? Uh, me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could fill a Simon role well. Um, oh, so I look out for could. that. We'll maybe we'll make a Photoshop. Maybe uh, that would be good. And that will be that for the Leafs. So Leafs, nice talking to you. Nice knowing you. We will check back in in you know. Yes, we're officially putting April them in. Or wherever. In the jazz safe. We're putting them in the high floor, low ceiling freezer to cool off until yes. uh, until they can show us what they've got. 
That's pretty. Yes. I like that. Let's make that a running thing. The high floor, low ceiling freezer. That is like <laughs> we refuse to talk about you. The Jazz are in there, and the Leafs the are in NBA, there. The MLB lockout. Yep. You you are in there until something changes, and you prove to us that you're worthy of being let out. Yeah. <laughs> you got to knock on the door, like in The Shining. Um, but yes, that what... is all for the Leafs for now. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll talk about some more interesting value propositions for some various teams when we return on high floor low ceiling and welcome back to high floor low ceiling yeah, that was given that was was that uh jimmy stewart himself <laughs> it's jimmy stewart flawless I, just, I even just earlier today since we're in our t- traditional movie talk segment after the break in the first segment uh i watched Ernst Lubitsch, what? Why are you looking? Well, me? well, finish this, and then I will tell you what I've just realized that we haven't okay. addressed yet. Oh yes, that sounds exciting. Um, but I watched Ernst Lubitsch's "The Shop Around the Corner" today from, uh, I believe, nineteen forty. Yes, nineteen forty, starring Jimmy Stewart. He I gave do... a lovely performance. I'm sure he did. He when does he not? He's the greatest uh, actor ever. Get your hand away from there, for starters, and. <laughs> Have you seen You've Got Mail, Griffin? The uh, the, the pseudo remake. Tom Hanks. Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan. No, I have not. Well, you gotta watch that. I, it, it it has some ethical gray areas for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what what know? good rom com doesn't have ethical gray it's areas? Let's be honest. Kind of true, honestly. Uh, but yes, Jimmy Stewart very tall is what I realized in this film. Uh, he is six three, as I found really? out, or was. Uh, is he Jimmy Stewart still with us? I would imagine not. No, he is long dead. <laughs> long dead. He died in 1997, it's true. Um, well, not that long then, because that was a pretty short time ago. 25 years. Well, uh, <laughs> as long as you... Are you implying... Do you not like me implying that the amount of time that you've been alive is a long amount of time? <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you think I am the reincarnate, reincarnated spirit of Jimmy Stewart? That's interesting. When's your birthday again? Uh, March 20th. Ooh, he passed July second, so okay, it's impossible, so. I'm afraid. Damn, I, I really but, thought I know. was onto something there. You could uh, be someone else's reincarnated spirit, hopefully. But yeah, yes, fingers you were crossed. Saying, you had something to announce to us, Griffin. Yeah, well, Chris, to... it's it. The calendar has turned a page. <laughs> it is a new month. What? Yes. First of all, how did February Uary? Mm-hmm. go how how did you enjoy your february movies and uh what is march's theme yes february i would say was a rousing success i'm just gonna read off a few films that i watched obviously groundhog day was a great watch of course oh uh, did i already talk about peter rabbit <laughs> no you did not talk about peter rabbit uh starring Donald gleason rose Byrne, james corden as the voice of peter rabbit a very funny film I remember um, when that movie came out, people who liked the books, like, hated it because they turned Peter Rabbit into, like, a sarcastic, wisecracking jerk, and Peter Rabbit's supposed to be, like, some sweet, wholesome, like, Winnie the Pooh, Paddington-type character. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a very sort of, like, modern, talking animal, he's sassy kind of movie, but mm. very funny, in my opinion. There's a part where, to counteract these rabbits, Donald Gleason gets some dynamite, and he is throwing lit dynamite at rabbits, and the rabbits are throwing it back at him. It's all that very funny. funny. And then, and then it cuts away to Rose Byrne, and she's like doing her painting, and she has her headphones on. She's listening to fight song. 
<laughs> it's just a tremendous bit. Um, I believe I've already talked about Marry Me, a great film. Yes. Uh, the film Kimmy, the new Steven Soderbergh thriller, was very strong. That came out this February. Um, but really, I think I have to take my hat off to the film Jumper, starring Hayden Christensen, which I believe I've already talked about on this podcast. I believe you have. <laughs> but I rewatched it for February because <laughs> it's so strong. But Griffin. Well, before I'm... I do have a question. So for February, you wary, I would say that like in the month that a movie was released in is not like something that I know about a movie. Like if you ask me about a movie, I like I might know like the star, the director and the year, but I certainly wouldn't know the month that it came out in unless it like famously came out in May, like Star Wars or something. Right. So what, for February, you wary, did you like sit down and be like, oh, I would like to watch a movie and then be like, oh, when did it come out? Or like, how did you implement February, you wary? Right. So you can, so for starters, the reason that February, you wary exists is because, you know, January and February, that's traditionally sort of like the death valley of like the right. domestic after, box office. After award season. Yeah. So yeah. So things will be released by Christmas to qualify for awards. Obviously, like a lot of big blockbusters come around around Christmas, and then January and February, that's like the dumping ground, where like maybe you had a movie that was supposed to come out on Christmas, and then it turned out really awfully, so you just bump it into January, and then it comes out and no one sees it. Or like an uh, Oscar bait movie that turned out to be terrible. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so that's sort of like what what I wanted to celebrate for February, Uary. Uh, but the way that you do it is, you know, you just you just go to the box office. You you just look at films that were released in February, and then you make a list of what you might want to watch. And you know, you're, you're trying to fit the vibe, right? So like, you've got your Peter Rabbits, you've got your fist fights with Ice Cube ah. and Charlie Day. You've got your Euro trips, your old schools, your just go with it, your Valentine's Days. Like we're, that's the kind of area, okay, that we want to be. Yeah, you probably in. got a few rom coms around Valentine's Day. Lots of great rom coms. Uh, I mean, Fifty First Dates. What a terrific film. Mm. Uh, but the new month, as you said, Griffin, the page of the calendar has turned, and so I would like you to say goodbye to February and I will say hello it. to March. <laughs> Sorry, can I get that one more time? <laughs> yes, I would like you to sell the, it is currently March the 3rd. Is that the films of Demi Moore in March? That's a great guess, Griffin. You're basically correct. It is the films of anyone with the surname Moore. <laughs> Roger you talk, Moore. You've got Juliet, you've got Mandy, you've got Demi, you've got Michael, huge one. You've I don't got, think I realized this was such an extensive category. <laughs> You've got the films that are adapted from the work of Alan Moore, the famous comic writer. So oh. you've got Watchmen and V for Vendetta. you got uh, Shamik Moore, who I believe is the star of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mary Tyler Moore. It's such a it's a, oh, a diverse yeah. list, Griffin. And we are now celebrating Moorch. And so I will be probably uh, spooling That's, This sounds like a good month of movies. <laughs> Like, there are a lot options. of there are a lot of good names you just threw out, but I think this is going to be one of your best that... ones yet. <laughs> wow, thank you. Uh, most importantly, I really want to get to the work of Michael Moore and see how that's held up. You know, see if Fahrenheit nine eleven, how that uh, holds up in our current political climate. So that'll be fun. Uh, but Has he done anything that... lately? I feel like he oh, sure. must have something to say. Oh, he um... has. He had some things to say about uh, 
I call him the orange buffoon. Oh, uh, the little edgy American president. I know it's a little kind of controversial. I call him the <laughs> Cheeto and Chief no. sometimes. Oh, <laughs> he got him. But we cannot talk about movies anymore. That was a solid amount of time we just spent. Someday so we'll spin off this podcast into a movie podcast. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Hey, what, <laughs> what is <laughs> it? Another Patreon. thing on your plate to not listen to? <laughs> Come on. Uh, but for our second segment, we're going to continue with that little idea that we sort of sprung out uh, talking about the trade that the Leafs would be making to win that playoff series, but the cap staying flat. It's a segment I call, and Griffin agreed to, <laughs> call Deal with the Devil. Uh, and insert... You're really concerned about calling this Deal with the Devil. You think religious groups are going to come after us? I just think that there are some connotations. I'm not saying that Satan himself is coming down with his pitchfork, or I guess coming up, uh, <laughs> and offering these things to us. Uh, we do not support the devil. I actually hate the guy. I think he's the source of a lot of bad things in the world. Uh, I don't know how you feel, Griffin. I actually call him the uh, ketchup <laughs> king of <laughs> classlessness because he's not a classy guy. Uh, no, I'm, so I'm anti-devil as well. I mean... Except New Jersey Devils, of course. We yeah. are... I like P.K. Subban. Um, sure. New Jersey Devils. Of course. You ever seen... There's this documentary on Netflix called Devil at the Crossroads, all about Robert Johnson, the uh, mm, blues guitarist who made that deal with the devil. I like the Allegedly. song Devil Went Down to Georgia by Charlie sure. Daniels. Oh, Noted. Devil by Electric Guest. So, now that we've really explored yeah, we've really... The, the title of this segment, let's jump into it. So, as you can probably guess from the title and from the one we sort of teased out earlier, this is you're getting something that you really, really want. <laughs> what? This feels I, like I just... I like that you're going to explain the concept of a deal with the devil to our okay, audience. Okay, come on, come on. You're it's getting adorable. something it's cute. you really want, but you are sacrificing, you're making some kind of trade-off, but it is not, you're not condemning your eternal soul to fiery damnation. You are just, just doing your something salary that cap. you would rather not, yes, you're doing something you would not like to do. Uh, and I will give an example to you right now, Griffin. This is a very big one, very in the news right now, because this team has not been doing well. The Los Angeles Lakers seemingly headed for the lottery again, like just in a terrible state of affairs right now. So we are giving them the ability to cut Russell Westbrook from their cap sheet entirely while with no salary retained or anything like that, while also, this is the downside, cutting LeBron James from their salary cap entirely. Now, obviously, this opens up some huge options for them that they they are sort of hamstrung right now. They do not have a lot of first-round draft picks in the coming years. They have Anthony Davis under contract for a few more years. They have LeBron James, who is maybe trying to get traded to Cleveland. Uh, and obviously, Russell Westbrook has been a huge point of pain for them. They obviously will be trying to move his contract if they can in the offseason, although I think they will really struggle to find it. Let's start there, actually. Do you think that there is any way forward for them in terms of like it, the Russell Westbrook situation, is there any positive outcome for them in this offseason? Whether it's keeping him, whether it's moving him, whether it's what can what can they I mean, do like here? yeah, at this point, do you just have to keep him and pray that he somehow not even gets back to the player he once was, but gets back to like an average NBA player? Like, because he can't. 
I know that he might not have always been like the best player in the league and like the underlying analytics might not have supported the counting stats, but he can't have always like he can't have become this bad this quickly permanently, can he? Well, I mean, he is a very explosive athlete, and I think that once you start to lose some of that, that that can True. be really How old is he? But I, he is... Like 31? Probably, yeah, I think we're working in that area. But I think the thing with Russell Westbrook is, and this is something, I say this about John Wall, so <laughs> you can see how long I've been saying this for, <laughs> but uh, Russell Westbrook recently turned 33, by the way, mm. so definitely getting up there in age. But, uh, but... Players like a John Wall or a Russell Westbrook, the problem with them, or the biggest problem beyond their talent or anything like that, is you are forcing yourself to play into their style for the most part. Like you, uh, with Russell Westbrook, like he's gonna want the ball in his hands a lot. He's gonna want to do like a drive and kick thing. He's not really much of a pick and roll playmaker that I've seen, even though he does get a lot of assists. Like it seems mostly like he likes to sort of like work in isolation and find advantages that way and then if you have lebron james and anthony davis on your team then that presents you with problems i think almost always what we've seen is that russell westbrook's teammates often tend to do better when he is not on the floor which is sort of the quintessential idea of like it does not matter how good you are it doesn't matter that he was an mvp in 2017 because i mean obviously his roster was not ideal in that year either but you're putting yourself in a situation where it's like we're going to have an amazing individual season from this player and we are almost certainly not going to win anything with them. Yeah, well, I guess getting back to the actual question here, Chris, the actual proposed deal, do they, when when getting rid of LeBron James, do they also get that salary cap space or do they just lose him? Yes, I think in this situation you are, you know, you're essentially as much as you can wiping the Lakers salary cap clean, except for Anthony Davis is basically what you're doing. So you're putting yourself in, in an interesting situation because you have a lot of different ways to go forward with that. You can go for an Anthony Davis trade and try and get something back from that. You can try and build a championship roster around Anthony Davis, you know, sign a, a max contract, because if you look at the Lakers contracts are kind of crazy. They have, one, two, three, four players, five players, I guess, who are signed for any amount of money beyond this year. So we have Westbrook, $47 million next year. A Jesus. crazy figure. LeBron James, one more year at $44 million. Anthony Davis, two more years before a player option. Taylor Horton Tucker is under contract. And then Kendrick Nunn has a $5.2 million player option. So, like, their cap sheet is pretty clean, especially once you delete Westbrook and LeBron from that, then you're pretty much oh, ending yeah. up with a clean cap sheet. So like, do you, just let's just play out if you're going through with it. Do you pursue a Davis trade? Do you try and sign like a Bradley Beal and see if that can sort of get you to a fringe contender status? How are you wanting to proceed out of that? I mean, yeah, for I guess, I mean, yeah, I guess to address the deal on the table first, Everything in my body says you have LeBron James. You do not let that go no matter what happens. But he's 37. He, Even him, who does not appear to be a human being like the rest of us. Nothing. Father time, undefeated. You, you've heard the adages, Chris. Yes. And I think he'll last a lot. Like, he's still a top 
three player in the NBA at 37 with the most minutes in NBA history on its body. It's incredible, but like the drop off has to come eventually, right? And 40 the <laughs> the ability to clear 92 million dollars, 91 million dollars is so much. And then Anthony Davis, who I think when healthy is ready to be the best player on a championship contender. Let's do you think that? That's interesting because I I was talking about this with people the other day and I think that people have really soured on him but partly because of his health. Yeah, he's had partly, a bad year. You know, I think he gets a lot of he gets the soft rap a lot. I think he gets the, you know, can't really deliver like you know, he obviously he was a, a I I think he was a 1B, I think it's fair to say in uh in the lakers run and but like yeah. and that's the thing with me is like we've it's not like a another player that typically gets labeled soft where like they don't do well in the playoffs and things like that like we have seen anthony davis be a high 20s points per game scorer and a really great defender on a championship winning team like we just have seen that like you can say that the competition wasn't as up to snuff or it might have been you can say that they were in the bubble but we have seen that out of anthony davis and so i feel like you have to give him some level of credit for that, right? Yeah, I do. I do think that one thing is that we've seen it with the 76ers and the Nuggets and the Pelicans back in the Davis days and even the Timberwolves to an extent. In the playoffs, it's tough when your superstar is a big man. Like, you look at the last few years of championships their their best player since like the Shaquille O'Neal days or like Dirk the best player on most of the championship teams of the last 15 years has been a guard or a wing so like I do think that it's tough like when when you're down by one and your last shot is going to your center like I still don't think that that's the best setup in the NBA yeah I don't I don't know if Anthony Davis could win a championship but I do think that you could build with that extra cap space, I think that, and the fact that it's the Lakers, everyone will want to come there no matter what. I think you can find another championship team around Anthony Davis. So even though I, I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but yeah, I'll take that trade. I'll take the deal with uh, the the Dark Lord, and then I will hang on to Anthony Davis and try and build around him. Okay, yeah, it's it's a tough one for me just because. The Westbrook thing is just such a problem for me. And, you know, I I've, I also am cognizant of the fact that I've said this, like, literally every year for the last, like, three years. I was like, Russell Westbrook, that is a terrible contract. No one's going to trade for that. They're totally screwed. And then every year he gets traded to a different team. But... It's as just, like you know, as like the desirable part of the, like it's not like someone's offloading him. It's like yeah, someone said, value. I want him. Like Yeah, he's getting, he's getting traded... It, with value coming back to the team acquiring him like the wizards i think made out really well in that deal for the most part um and then you, you know so you're in that situation where he continues to somehow be desirable and so but then it's like it's like lebron's decline like surely at some point someone has to no longer want russell westbrook anymore right and like if you if there ever was a season where someone would not want Russell Westbrook, oh it's this no, one, right? Like, who on earth is going to take him now? And I mean, yeah, I know, I, but yeah, you're right. We say that every year. Wh- who actually signed him to that contract? Was that the Thunder? I believe he signed like a max extension, full, guaranteed, super whatever that was at the time. Deal with the Thunder. So then, three teams now have 
willingly taken on that contract. Four yep. teams, if you count the Thunder. Yes, exactly. Um, so it is it is a tough question because you know if they don't do that, then what's the answer? Like, what do they do with that money? Like, and I think the answer is just that like they can't move him, even if you are trading LeBron James. Let's say the value you're getting back is going to be mitigated because you're going to probably have to send stuff along to get Westbrook or to get Westbrook off of your books. And so at that point, then why not sort of just like start fresh? And I don't know what the answer is, whether I would rather have uh, have a competitive team around Davis or if I would rather ship him off and sort of start an in-earnest rebuild. But, you know, if you're looking at players like James Harden or Kyrie Irving coming to the team, like that's a pretty, pretty interesting combination, no? Yeah. um, Yeah, it is intriguing. For sure, Bradley Beal was another one that you mentioned. Maybe Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I forget exactly what his contract status is, but yeah, like we said, there's there's never going to be any shortage of players that will want to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. So that's why I'm feeling confident about my ability to build around Anthony Davis, who can still, I believe, be a top five move in the or a top five player in the NBA. Pardon me, but you know what? That's enough of that for today. I say, <laughs> I say, we put the Lakers in the high floor, Lucy. I was, I for was a thinking it. We need to put the decline and Westbrook's declining Le- value and all of that stuff in the freezer. Uh, but I'm sure they'll come up again because we've already talked about another segment we could do with the Lakers in the off season. So true. Uh, well, that we can take them out of the freezer by the time the playoffs roll around. Sure, we'll put them in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's just do a couple of quick hitters because we are now suddenly running long because of all of our movie talk. Yeah, we um, were doing well on time for once. We, I was like, are we going to be able to stretch this to an hour? And of course, the answer is yes, we can. Always. You know us, baby. That's uh, the HFLC yeah, let's guarantee. <laughs> let's do a couple of quick hitters here. The New Orleans Saints, uh, a team that we have again talked about a weird amount. Yeah. Um, they always sort of come up as that team that's sort of on the bubble that doesn't quite seem to have a plan. They've lost Sean Payton now. Uh, I'm going to throw James. this one at you. Yes, the great Kevin James. Um, so, you know, the big thing with them is quarterback play, right? They were dealing with like a third or a fourth string quarterback at times last year. They still ended up being around a 500 team. So I'm giving you Thomas Brady, uh, a, a solid player, as you can imagine. Obviously, allegedly retired. That's still a whole thing. Putting that in the freezer as well, whether he's really retired or not. But the yeah, freezer's getting, getting full fast. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a lot of groceries. Uh you're getting that, let's say you're getting last year's version of Tom Brady, who was, I think, and kind of underrated because Aaron Rodgers came on so strongly late in the game. Like, he was a real contender to win MVP, like, yeah, yeah. 10 plus weeks into the season. Um, so you're getting that Tom Brady and everything else that the Saints have and, you know, whatever they do in the offseason and all that stuff. And you get one year of that. In return, you are similar to cutting them from your cap sheet entirely you are cutting alvin Kamara and michael thomas from the roster after that year so you get them for next year and then all three of them brady Kamara, thomas all gone are you taking this offer uh hmm it's a good question obviously but uh <laughs> well, that's the hfc guarantee i'm i'm going with no 
on this one, even though I don't think like Alvin Kamara obviously is a high usage running back. Who knows how many years he'll have left before he starts to drop off a cliff and Michael Thomas, that might honestly be a good thing. <laughs> getting out, Yeah. He might have minus two years until he drops off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> getting out of his contract for free. I don't think the saints make that deep of a playoff run, wow. even with Tom Brady on their team. And so for that, you're giving away a beloved franchise player. Ooh, did we remember that Alvin Kamara was arrested in Las Vegas? Ooh. <laughs> well, that's another... The devil can, you know... The devil, devil can, can get him out of that? that. <laughs> Maybe... I don't know how bad it was, but let's just say the devil can erase that from history. Okay. All right. Well, then. Um, all right. So, for, for the purposes of this thought experiment, that didn't happen. All due yes. respect to the victims, of course. Like you, yes. Chris, I don't really... I didn't really read that much into it. it I don't know it how bad a, it was. a nightclub assault-related incident, which, you know, as far as crimes... In the NFL, those are eight times a week. Athletes, yeah. <laughs> anyway. This is adult. This is we're really burying ourselves Yeah, we, we might cut all of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Continue. But yeah, I don't think that this even really gets you that deep of a playoff run, so I don't feel like giving up Alvin Kamara for whatever good years he has left in exchange for that. So I'm not... I'm passing on this one. Devil can keep his... Keep Tom Brady to himself. Yeah, his favorite son. Um, I think that this is one I would take, and the reason why is not even just because of that year, but because I think it sort of gives you a nice sort of drop-off point. Because, you know, I think a lot about the way that Masai Ujiri set up the, uh, the trade for Kawhi Leonard and how smart it was in some ways that he was taking the risk on that one year. And then if that one year doesn't pan out, then you had Sergi Baca expiring, you had Kyle Lowry expiring, you know, you basically that you'd be able to gracefully transition into this new period of the team, regardless of whether Kawhi Leonard stayed or he left or you won the championship or not. So I think that putting yourself in this situation where, you know, I think having Tom Brady on your team is the best bet that they'll have at a Super Bowl in the next five years, right? And True. what are they really going to accomplish? Unless I guess they could make the the Rodgers trade or the Wilson trade or the Deshaun Watson trade or whatever kind of acquisition of a quarterback that they want to make. But I think having Tom Brady plus their whole roster from last year on their team is enough to sort of put you in the conversation at least. And then once you have that one year, you're dropping those two offensive superstars who do have those semi-bloated contracts and are maybe on the wrong side of their sort of mountain in terms of their career i think it's all up from here for tom brady i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) and so and so it does it does put you in a good position for a clean rebuild so that's why i think i'm taking this one um then the last one here griffin this is a bit of a weird one because this is more about historical context than it is about sort of team management but the montreal Canadiens. we were just looking at them when we were looking at those hockey standings at the bottom of the table, an awful year for them. A year that they'd like to forget, you might say. Oh. So what if they could do just that, Griffin? What if the Montreal Canadiens can basically erase this year from history? So nothing changes in terms of their current roster construction, in terms of the draft pick they'll receive this year. All that stuff stays the same. But they sort of wipe out the memory of this year and how bad they were. So they still have the presumed number one spot in the draft lottery. Yes, but you're wiping away the shame and the stigma. 
But in return, you're also wiping away the glory of their uh, Cinderella run to the Stanley Cup final last year. So basically, you're, you're sort of meeting in the middle. You're having two average playoff-ish level seasons. Nothing special on either one. You're not losing anything roster-wise or draft pick-wise. It's just in terms of just pure vibes. How do you feel about this? It's tough because this season for Montreal has truly been like one of the worst in NHL history. Like unbelievable. <laughs> like for those of our audience who might not have been paying attention to the Habs this year, unbelievably, unbelievably bad. On pace for, like I said, one of the worst seasons in the history of not only the franchise, which is storied enough, but the entire NHL. With that being said, maybe this is just reflective of the way that we look at life, Chris, or that I look at life. Mm. But I think a really great experience outweighs a really bad one. So I'm not taking this deal. I'm not. Last year as a Leafs fan was awful for me. But I think that like in sports, the lows being so low are what makes the highs feel so amazingly incredible. Like watching the Raptors win that championship I, I thought of the days of watching Joey Graham and Sonny Weems from the Sprites fan zone and the Raptors winning 28 games that year. And like, that's what made it so great was that we had to wait so long and through so much suck. Um, so I, I'm not taking this deal to me. Give me the highs. Give me the lows. Give me life as it comes. It's sort of a low floor, high ceiling take, you might say. You might, but it certainly isn't hedging. Certainly isn't hedging. Yeah, I think... I think it does sort of come down to your life outlook in a weird way. I mean, like the thing that makes it so in- that makes it an interesting proposition to me is that they didn't win. Like, True. in the ultimate grand scheme of things, especially for a-, a franchise like the Habs, which have been so successful, does in fifty years does that just become sort of another like remember this happened sort of? And thing. it sort of has an asterisk with only playing Canadian teams and stuff like that. That's yeah, there's true. So much, yeah. There's so much that goes into it. And then this year is so bad that I almost, I don't know. I feel like it's that classic question of, do you want to avoid pain or seek pleasure? And that's a powerful philosophical consideration <laughs> that I don't think either of us is really prepared to answer here. But I think that I am more on the side of pain avoidance. I feel like I would rather just watch my team be pretty good and know that they're not going to win the championship and be okay with that, then I would, watching them come close and then fail, that's another thing to consider, is that they that losing has its own pain associated with it in the final for them, and then having this year. And so I think maybe that I'm going to shake hands with the devil and erase the both these seasons from existence. Wow. Well, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, it's pro- again, it's probably <laughs> revealing of my character in a negative way. But that oh, was a fun so. one. That, that is was definitely fun. one we will come back to when we think of some more. When uh, you know who down there uh, sends some more missives up to us, providing oh. us some offers. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening this week. We had a great time. Uh, you can follow us on social medias at HFLC Podcast. We're on the Twitter. We're on instagram we're on tiktok we've always got things coming out and things bopping around that's lots of fun so keep an eye out for that you can follow griffin at griffin porter 97 uh on twitter you can follow myself at c house and jan on twitter 
Uh, you can listen to Griffin's podcast, the OUA in Conversation podcast. That's always putting out great episodes with student athletes. You can listen to my podcast, Got the Runs. That's about comic books. If you're just a complete weirdo, uh, do you listen to that one back after no. it gets uploaded? That podcast okay. is so long. <laughs> All right. Well, if I'm glad you said no, because if you had, I really would have been truly sad and we we try to keep these episodes devastated. to around an hour. We have we place no such restrictions on ourselves <laughs> on Got the Runs to its detriment. Um, so <laughs> shout out to us. Keep listening. We love you. Give us yeah, five thanks stars for listening, everyone. And until next time, keep your floors high and your ceilings low.